perhaps a simple way to start is to say that this time together offers an opportunity for Zazen. It also offers an opportunity for me to make some suggestions to you about what I mean by Zazen. For me, I use the term Zazen, the way I use it is um, as a word for some other words. I see Zazen of our school as a bodhisattva practice. A bodhisattva samadhi. So the name of the retreat was Bodhisattva Samadhi or Bodhisattva Samadhis. I don't know. In a way, I don't know if you have signed up for the Bodhisattva path. I don't know if you have felt I want to be a bodhisattva. (laughs) Uh, I often, um, when I'm talking to people, jokes come into my, funny things come into my mind, and I laugh before you know what I'm laughing at. (laughs) So that happened just now. What I thought was funny was, if you... (laughs) I thought it was funny again. (laughs) If you, by any chance, want to be a bodhisattva, I'm your man. (laughs) And I'm not your only man. I'm one of your men. I'm here to... I'm here to help you be a bodhisattva. And as I mentioned yesterday, uh, some people think that being a bodhisattva is really great, but they don't think it's for everybody. In India, the the bodhisattva ideal, the bodhisattva teachings, the teachings for bodhisattvas arose in India But in India, they were never as popular as they were in China and Korea and Japan and even in the United States. Uh, Indian people uh, thought the Bodhisattva, a lot of Indian people thought the Bodhisattva path was just too grandiose, just too awesome, just not for me. But in in other places, people thought, I'm going to go for it. So I'm offering teachings about bodhisattva samadhis, which are just, you know, inconceivably wonderful and maybe too much for some of you, I don't know. So one view is, it's a great thing, but you may not be interested. Another view is, it's a great thing, and you should be. 
It's so great, you should sign up. Another view is, which I think is a view that's most, I think most closely associated with Soto Zen, is that whether you want to be a bodhisattva or not, you are. You are a bodhisattva. Everybody is. It's just that some people have wandered away from their true home, their true bodhisattva home. They have forgotten that they are actually living in Buddha's house, and they are Buddha's children, and they're doing Buddha's work. They forgot that. Or they never really knew it, even though they lived in Buddha's house. They lived in the house of the Bodhisattva Samadhi. They had to wander away from it in order to realize it. But that's the path we're on, is that we our true home, what we actually have already been given, is the Bodhisattva Samadhi. But when it was given to us, we didn't realize it. There's a story in the Lotus Sutra about these two friends. They were together, and they were drinking, and one of them got really drunk and passed out, and the other one had to leave town and couldn't wake his friend up or didn't try, but he wanted to leave his friend a gift. But he didn't want to put the gift which was a precious jewel lying out next to the friend where somebody would steal it. So he sewed it into his friend's robe and didn't leave him a note because he thought somebody might find the note. Anyway, he put this jewel in his friend's robes and left, and his friend didn't even know he got it. And our Buddha parents have, have given, us this, given us this jewel, uh, but... We didn't. We were asleep when they, when it was given to us, or drunk, <laughs> and we did. We didn't know. And and so now we're hearing that we have it, but we don't know where it is, and we're we're practicing in order to discover it. That's one view, is we are on the path. So I'm offering teachings for the for everybody that's on this path including people who don't think they are, including people who say, I, don't, I do not want to save all living beings. That's too much for me. Or, it's not too much for me, I actually don't want to save some of them. <laughs> I could do it, but I don't want to. They don't deserve such excellent treatment. Even people like that really are on the Bodhisattva path. They just have forgotten, or they just have not understood that yet. But they will. So a few of you who weren't here yesterday, so I think at noon service, we will again chant a song about these bodhisattva samadhis. And in the evening, we'll do another song about bodhisattva samadhis. So at noon, we'll chant the song of the precious jewel samadhi. Zazen, another name for Zazen is Precious Jewel Samadhi. And part of the faith of the tradition is by singing that song over and over, by by giving your mouth to, to sing that song, you will become that Samadhi. 
Buddhas and Bodhisattvas are that samadhi. Sometimes I would think, oh, Buddhas and Bodhisattvas practice the precious mirror samadhi. Buddhas and Bodhisattvas practice silence and stillness. That's one way to say it. I don't disagree with that, but another way to say it is Buddhas and Bodhisattvas are are practicing or Buddhas and Bodhisattvas are the practice of that samadhi. That samadhi is Buddhas and ancestors. To be a Buddha or a Bodhisattva is the precious mirror samadhi, is zazen. And again, people often think, well, you practice zazen and you become a Buddha. To be a Buddha is Zazen, is the the precious mirror samadhi, is the self-receiving and employing samadhi, is the ocean seal samadhi. These are different names for Zazen that have appeared in the almost 2,000-year tradition of the great vehicle for bodhisattvas. And again, you will hear, but I, before you hear it, and after you hear it, I want to say, so you can hear it again, the teaching of suchness, and the calligraphy for that is on the altar. It says in Japanese, nyoze-ho. The calligraphy is by Dainin Katagiri. Uh, it was in Tia's office, and she said I could put it up there, so there it is. That teaching of suchness is for bodhisattvas. That's for beings who want to realize what needs to be realized, which is unsurpassed, complete, perfect enlightenment in order to benefit all beings. That's the teaching. That's the beginning of the song of Buddha's samadhi. Teaching of suchness. Intimate communion. Zazen is intimate communion. The samadhi is intimate communion. Buddhas and ancestors. The samadhi is the teaching of suchness. The samadhi is intimate communion. The samadhi is Buddhas and ancestors. Buddhas and ancestors are the samadhi. Buddhas and ancestors are that teaching. Buddhas and ancestors are intimate communion. Bodhisattvas want to, want to live in that intimate communion. They want to be Buddhas and ancestors. They want to be the teaching of suchness because that's what they understand is the way to help people. They work on that in their own practice, which they understand is how you help other people. And then it says, in that song, it says, now you have it. It's not something that's going to be given to you later when you become more trained. You have it already, and you can start taking care of it already. And you take care of it already by taking care of everything. Because it is the teaching of the way everything is. 
So there's nothing you don't take care of if you want to take care of that teaching. You take care of all beings. You take care of every thought, every gesture, every word, every feeling. You take care of fear. You take care of doubt. You take care of pride. You take care of confusion with bodhisattva compassion. That's how you take care of the intimate communion of the teaching of suchness. And taking care of everything that way is also Buddhas and Bodhisattvas. Taking care of everything that way is the Samadhi. So, again, yesterday I said, I'll say it again, it doesn't take too long. I pray, I wish that the great assembly will remember silence and stillness, which has been transmitted to us. I pray that the great assembly will remember this samadhi through thick and thin in sickness and in health, in old age, sickness and death. And in this retreat already, some people have told me that what I wish for is hard for them to practice. Yeah. It's not always hard, but... um, It's not that easy to be ourselves. In the song of the Juhamir Samadhi, I don't think after the title that the word Samadhi is mentioned. Uh, so, but it says anyway, this teaching of of intimate communion, Buddhas and ancestors. Now you have it, so please take care of it. it it's, this is a description of the samadhi. And then it says, it says, it acts as a guide for beings. What, what is it? The teaching of suchness? The intimate communion, Buddhas and ancestors, those act, or that acts, as a guide for beings. The song is recommending that we use the intimate communion as our guide. That we use the teaching of suchness as our guide. And it says its use, the use of of these teachings, the use of this samadhi, removes all suffering. Relieves all suffering. So the song of the samadhi says that this samadhi, if you use it, performs this wonderful function. I think it says removes all pain, all of it, every variety. Now I'd like to turn to the 
the next song, which is a song about Zazen, and Zazen can also be called self-receiving and self-employing samadhi, or that could also be translated as self-fulfillment samadhi. It also can be translated as self-enjoyment samadhi. It's a term, uh, this, self, this, this term, this samadhi is a samadhi which is the name of the samadhi of the Buddha sitting under the Bodhi tree. After the Buddha had the great awakening and became the Buddha, the Buddha was sitting in the self-fulfilling samadhi or the self-enjoyment, the enjoyment of the Buddha of her own enlightenment. That's, what is, that's, an, that's also called Zazen. And in that song, it says, from the first time you meet a master, and it says, without engaging in incense offering, bowing, chanting, repentance or reading scriptures. But you can just take that part out for the time being and say, from the first time you meet a master, just wholeheartedly sit. In this samadhi. So I would suggest to you that maybe it says that because when you meet a master, in that meeting, you receive the samadhi. You don't by yourself actually go and sit wholeheartedly in the samadhi. When you sit wholeheartedly in the samadhi, you're sitting with your teacher. Your teacher gives you the samadhi. Or you receive the samadhi in the relationship with the teacher. So I say the teacher gives you the samadhi, so then the teacher is the giver and you're the receiver, and the samadhi is the gift. From the first time you meet a teacher and receive the samadhi, when you meet a teacher and receive the samadhi, then just sit there in that samadhi. But if you look really deeply, it's not that the teacher has the samadhi and gives it to you who doesn't have the samadhi. It's that the teacher gives you the samadhi, which you already have. You've already got it. But you have to meet a teacher and go through the ritual of having the teacher give it to you to realize you already had it and that actually you're giving it to the teacher. The giver, the receiver, and the gift are inseparable. You can't get the giver by herself and the receiver by the self. This kind of giving is the giving of what you already have and the receiving of what you already have and the giving of what you already have to the receiver who already has it. That's the intimacy of the Buddhas. But it still says, from the first time you meet a master, you have to realize, oh, I meet a teacher. And now we're doing this. We're doing this intimate communion. We're doing this samadhi. And then 
take care of that. Wholeheartedly sit in that samadhi. This is a teaching for bodhisattvas. This is not a teaching for people who think they're practicing all by themselves. And actually, it's for them too. From the, and then I'll, again, it says, from the first time you meet a master without engaging in incense offering, well, usually when you meet a master, you, in those, you, know, you, you offer incense <laughs> and you bow. So once you've offered incense and bowed and all that, and then, res- and then meet the master, then you don't have to offer incense again before you start practicing. <laughs> Later in the text of the song of the Buddha Samadhi, quite towards the end it says, each moment of Zazen, in the translation I think you have here, each moment of Zazen is equally wholeness of practice, equally wholeness of enlightenment. Does that sound right? Something like that? Another translation would be, each moment of Zazen is equally the same practice and equally the same enlightenment of the person sitting and all beings. Zazen, that for bodhisattvas, it, the samadhi for bodhisattvas is the same practice that the person sitting's doing, like the person, like you yourself, or the person next to you. It's equally this person's sitting practice and the practice of all beings. It's the same practice. That's the practice. That's the samadhi. It's not the practice I'm doing by myself which is not the practice you're doing. It's the practice which, which, is the same as my, which is the same as my practice and your practice, and it's also the same enlightenment as my enlightenment and your enlightenment. That's the samadhi. And that samadhi is living in stillness. And that samadhi does not appear within perception, which is also said in that song. All this intimate communion is not something that, you, that is, a, is a perception. You can have a perception. Oh, we're, like yesterday, we're, Laura and I were having perceptions of more or less intimacy with each other in public performances. But our actual intimacy is not our perception of, well, that was pretty intimate. That was like, that was really intimate the way we did that. That was not so intimate the way we did that. All the while, we're intimately living together in peace and harmony. But that's not a perception. That's the teaching of suchness. Zazen is all-pervading. The Bodhisattva Samadhi is all-pervading. It's a state of calm, openness, undistractedness, total devotion, 
Un, you know, it's all that. And it's, it's not just my calm, undistracted, relaxed, open awareness, although it is. It is all-pervading. This samadhi pervades everywhere. And this samadhi is all-pervadedness. The way I am, which is all-pervaded, is this awareness. And the way I really am is all-pervading. The way I am is all-pervading. The way you are is all-pervading. And the way you are is all-pervaded. And I almost laughed at something else I thought, which is, you could also say, the way you are is all-invaded. The way I am is invaded by everybody. Everybody is invading me. Everybody is entering me. Everybody is pervading me. Everybody is included in me. I can't see how everybody's included in me. That is incoherent to me. I'm coherent, but the way you all are pervading me, I can't see. It's not a perception. And the way I'm pervading all of you is not a perception. It's a teaching of suchness. And this being totally pervaded and be totally pervading is occurring in stillness. It's unconstructed, like we say, it's unconstructedness and stillness that's in the song. This samadhi is something not that's put together by somebody. It's beyond human manipulation. And all human, every, every manipulation that a human being does, this is a manipulation, see? All these manipulations are totally pervading, actually, and totally pervaded, actually. That's the samadhi. If you see this manipulation and you say, and you think that this is not being totally pervaded, you're not opening to the samadhi. Even though, in fact, you are totally pervaded by the samadhi. You can't get away from it. You can't get closer to it. It's right, you've got it right now, the way you are. And this uh, is one description of the pivot where Buddhas practice the samadhi. The pivot between the way I support the whole universe, the way I pervade the whole universe, the way this limited thing pervades the whole universe, and the way the whole universe pervades this being. That pivot is the pivot of intimate communion. It's the pivot of Buddhas and ancestors. That pivot lives in stillness. And Buddhas live in, that, in stillness and they live at that pivot, which is the samadhi. And I asked Ian to post a text, which, did you? Yeah, there's a text which is called, I think it says Zazen Shin. It's a, it's a poem written by Ehe Dogen Zenji. And 
one of his uncles, one of his granduncles, wrote a poem with the same name, Zazen Shin. Uh, Shin means like a lancet or needle, like an acupuncture needle. So it could be called the needle of Zazen. Somebody translated it as the needleness of Zazen or the needle-likeness of Zazen. The point of Zazen is this pivot where Zazen is the pivot where you pervade the whole universe and the whole universe pervades you. Zazen is the practice where you realize how you're doing the same practice as all beings and how all beings are doing the same practice as you. That's the pivot. And the beginning of the poem starts in both the Dogen's and his ancestors' poem. The poem starts out, the translation of the board says something like, the essential working of every Buddha the essential working. And then it says, the working essential of every ancestor. See the pivot? Pivoting from essential working to working essential. So the language pivots. But the word essential also means necessary. The necessary working of all Buddhas or the necessary work of all Buddhas, the working necessity of all Buddhas. That's Zazen. But that character, which means, which translated as essence or necessary, also means pivot. The working pivot of all Buddhas is Zazen. The pivotal working of all ancestors is Zazen. They're working in this pivot. They live at this pivot of suchness. They live at the pivot of intimate communion. They live at the place where all, all subjects support and pervade me and where I pervade all subjects. That intersubjectivity and to work that is the Bodhisattva Samadhi. And one more minor point. (laughs) I laugh because it's not a minor point, but I call it a minor point. In the Diamond Sutra, and this is a part of the Diamond Sutra that's very important in the Zen tradition because according to Zen history, Zen stories, the sixth ancestor of the Zen tradition heard this particular expression from the Diamond Sutra when he was working in, a, in the marketplace and had a, his initial enlightenment. And what he heard was a bodhisattva should enliven a mind which doesn't abide anywhere which has no abode, which doesn't abide in colors, sounds, smells, tastes, or tangibles, or mental objects. 
That's the mind bodhisattvas should give life to. It's not that there's no colors, sounds, smells, and so on. It's just that bodhisattvas don't dwell in them. When he heard that, he woke up. So this this pivot point of zazen is that point of not dwelling. So when you see a, when I see a color or when I see a face, I'm a person. Like I'm like I'm a man who sees a face. But in the samadhi, my seeing the face pervades the whole universe, and the whole universe pervades my seeing the face. There's no place to dwell there. I don't know who I am or what I am or where I came from or where I'm going or how I pervade or how I'm pervaded and this is where I live all day long. (laughs) And I have to tell with two jokes I thought of there. (laughs) One was that expression, all day long. I thought that was funny that I lived there all day long. And there's this song, what is this song? And it goes, up in the treetop all day long, hopping and bopping and singing his song. All the little birds on Jaybird Street love to hear the robin go beep, 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 or peep, beep, 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 or tweet, 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 tweet. Oh, tweet. Not all of you heard the story about Tia and me talking about singing, right? No? Once upon a time, Tia said to me, why don't we sing? And I said, we do. And she said, what do you mean? I said, kanji zai bo satsukyojin hanyahara nitaji shou. And she said, no, 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 with a melody. (laughs) Or something like that. And I said, okay, I'll do it. So she's launched my singing career. Which you're now experiencing the, <laughs> the consequences. <laughs> Up in the treetop all day long, hopping and bopping and singing his song. What song? Rock and Robin. <laughs> Rock and Robin. Rock and Samadhi. <laughs> I sing the Samadhi song all day long. That's my job. To sing that song. I came here to sing that song. I'm singing that song. Do you hear it? The samadhi has been transmitted to you. You you can't get away from it. But you may be able to get away from singing the song. But the way to take care of what's been given to you is to sing the song. And singing the song means give thorough compassion care to everything, to every being. And if you have trouble, that's normal. Like, it's, like we said before, you know, uh, I vow to hear the true Dharma. And it says, upon, upon hearing it, no doubts will arise in me. No, well, I lack in faith. 
that upon meeting it, I will renounce worldly affairs. What are worldly affairs? I would say worldly affairs are forgetting to take care of what's been given to you. Worldly affairs are forgetting to take care of what's been given to you. Of what's being 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 given to you. Every moment you are receiving gifts. Worldly affairs are to be distracted from taking care of the gifts that are given to you. And taking care of the gifts that are being given to you is also takes care of the samadhi which has been given to you. Like, I'm not going to take care of this gift, then you close the door on the samadhi. Somebody was telling me just recently about dealing with death. I forgot how she said it, but I said, death is like a warm-up for life. When death is given to us in, in various ways, it's like a warm-up exercise. If you work with it, you can get ready to receive the samadhi, which is like not death, it's life. It's like through death, realize that right this moment, you are pervaded by the whole universe and you're pervading the whole universe. Death is a warm-up for that. It's, it's difficult to accept the infinite pervadedness and infinite pervading. It's, but death helps us warm up. If you can take care of death, that will loosen you up, open you up to the big life. Which has, you know, death among other, death, insult, taxes, and so on. People singing songs to you, unbidden. I, um, so I've, I've sung some songs, and uh, I'm kind of glad I sang them. And if there's anything you want to sing, you're welcome to do so. Sometimes people come to meet me, and sometimes they consciously think, I'm going to go in that room and receive intimate communion. I'm going to go in that room and receive the teaching of suchness. And sometimes they don't think that. And then they they sit down and they often sit quietly for a while. And then sometimes I say, is there anything you want to tell me? And then they sometimes tell me something. Or sometimes they say no. Or sometimes they say, well, I have a question. And then they ask a question. But now I have a new question to ask them. (laughs) Can you guess what it is? When they come in and sit down quietly, a new question for them? Exactly. Now I'm going to say, what do you want? Do you want to sing something to me? And then my job will be to see if I can like receive that song. Because some people have really long songs. <laughs> so is there anything you want to sing to me? Or sing to each other?
If I fell in love with you, would you promise to be true true and to help me? me? If you said that to me, I would say, I promise to be true, yes. I promise to be true. But I don't promise to help. But I promise to want to help. And I promise to devote myself to helping, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to be helpful. If I fall, if you sing this song to me, if I fall in love with you, will you promise to be true? I'd say yes. (laughs) If I fall in love with you, will you promise, will you vow to be true? I'd say yes. Do you do you promise to want to help me? Yes. <laughs> do you promise to try to help me? Yes. Do you know if you will be able to help me? No. <laughs> but I want to. I don't know if I can liberate all beings, but I want to. I do. All. No exceptions. I want to. I vow to. I promise to. Do I forget? You could, your song could go on. Will you promise never to forget? No. Do, will, might you sometimes forget? Yes. What will you do if you forget? I promise to confess and repent. And by the power of confession and repentance... The root of forgetting will be melted away. So I promise to practice these precepts, these samadhi precepts. And if I forget, I promise to practice confession and repentance. I promise to say, I'm sorry, I forgot the samadhi. And I still want to do it. I haven't changed my vow even though I slipped up. So thanks for the song. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.